Number one. Access is the seed for opportunity. Access is the seed for opportunity. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the law of the seed because there's about 31 laws of life that we're going to begin to study in a few days because God rules the earth through laws. God rules the earth through laws. Not through his emotional feelings and not through your pain and all your needs. God rules the earth through laws. The gospel has two parts, the person of Jesus and the principles. The person of Jesus creates your peace. His principles create your prosperity. The person of Jesus prepares you for eternity. The principles of Jesus prepare you for earth. You can love Jesus and can't pay your light bill because it, he runs the earth through laws. A Christian has a tendency to want God to do his decision making. That's why we use the phrase God is in control. One of the most ridiculous, absurd statements that you'll hear repetitiously through, through, through Christianity. I had a preacher say that, and after a service that night, I said, what's he in control of? Everybody's running around screaming, he's in control. God's in control, God's in control, God's in control. I said, what's he in control of? He said, everything. I said, everything that happens is planned by God. He said, God predestines everything on the earth. I said, then we can't prosecute a wife beater, can we? We can't prosecute a rapist or a child molester if God was in control. He said, well, I hadn't thought about that. I said, if you'll think twice, you'll be the genius at your family and your family. I'm serious about this. Nothing's more plentiful than stupid. I can't tell someone next to you, if you stay stupid, I can't be your friend. Look at them right in the eye and say, if you stay stupid, I can't be your friend. God rules the earth through his laws. A sinner can work with the law of God and create an evil goal achieved. 9-11, the attack on New York City by terrorists is proof that even evil men can use laws to accomplish wrong and evil goals. And a sinner with a goal has more power than a Christian without one. A sinner who understands the laws will produce more difference and more change on the earth than Christians who don't understand the laws, the law of focus, the law of unity, the law of networking, the law of discretion. All these laws helped the terrorists fulfill their attack on America. So God has established laws. You don't create the laws, you discover them, discern them and apply them and work with them. Well, one of the laws is the law of the seed. Seed means beginning. Something I've been given can create anything else I've been promised. Something I know, something I have. So I wanna give you some statements that are incredibly powerful in my life. Access is a seed for opportunity. Opportunity to reveal your difference. Opportunity to reveal your significance, to prove your passion, to reveal your compassion. 
If I give you access to me, you have an opportunity to show me what you know. Tell me what you feel. Access is opportunity. Opportunity to discern. Opportunity to enter that arena. Enter that environment. I believe that problems are the opportunity for increase. Now let me go ahead and come back to this. Number one, access is the seed for opportunity. Identify any environment that you have been given the privilege of entering. And realize if somebody has invited you to the palace like a Joseph, that is a seed that's been planted in your life for an opportunity. Access is a seed someone gives you. It's a harvest, it's also a seed. Number two, battle is the seed for territory. Battle is the seed for territory. Get good at fighting, it's a lifestyle. You will never outgrow warfare. You simply must develop the ability to fight. You fight when you want to, as you want to, with the weapons you choose. Never allow an enemy to choose the weapons for you. Your weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds. You can use weapons he doesn't see. You can use weapons he is unfamiliar with. You can use the weaponry of praise. You can use the weaponry of silence. You can use the weaponry of words, but you have a whole arsenal. But battle is in the lifestyle of the believer. Why? Something you want is wanted by somebody else. All battle is over territory. Now God has given every one of us territory, territory. Say territory. There was a mother last night in Springfield, Missouri. Three little boys. She had driven five hours to the partner meeting, five hours one way. She cried almost the whole time in the whole gathering. And her little son sitting there just on writing notes. Imagine 10 and 12 year old kids writing notes for two hours. And afterwards she was crying. She was telling me, she said, she began to tell me the battles that God had she, and the whole point was that that was her territory. The mother, listen to me, the mother's house is her territory. And the battle of her life will be for her territory. You've started a new business, that's your territory. That's your territory. Goliath don't come to where you are because they don't know where you are. Goliath show up when you enter the territory God has promised you. My father used to preach a message called Wars in Canaan. Wars in Canaan. The presence of a giant is proof you've entered the promised land. If you don't see any giants, you ain't there yet. Hallelujah. But when you enter the area that God says you can have, that's where the giants appear. Your strongest adversary is in the turf that God told you you can have. Battle is a seed. Battle is the beginning for ownership. And your willingness to do battle intimidates an adversary demoralizes an adversary. Battle is a seed. Battle is a seed. Battle is a seed. It's a beginning. Battling for what God told you you can have. Anything good 
requires qualification. If you've been asking God for something incredible in your future, it will require qualifying for. You're not qualified for your future or you'd be there. You're qualified for your present. That's why you're there. Esther had to soak in oil for 12 months to remove the odor of her past. The palace requires a fragrance that yesterday didn't require. Daniel had to be taught palace conversation, the vocabulary that a king would enjoy. And it took him three years to qualify for one conversation with the king. Joseph recognized that the Egyptians hated beards. So when Pharaoh summoned him into the palace, he knew it was an opportunity to reveal what was in his heart. And he shaved his beard. He packaged for where he was going instead of where he had been. And when he entered, he had opportunity. Battle can occur in your family. All battle is over territory. What's mine, what's yours? Never fight for what God didn't give you. Say it with me, battle is the seed for territory. Battle is the seed for territory. Every pastor knows that. Every father knows that. Every business person knows that. When I do battle, it's for territory. Now why fight for the territory? Why fight Iraq, Iran? Why fight for territory? Because there's gold in that territory. There's ore, there's copper, there's silver, there's oil, there's water wells, there's gas wells. The territory for which you are fighting contains your reward for the rest of your life. That's what's gonna take care of you. I'm so glad my father did battle for us. I was thinking about this the other day. Now he didn't know it, he was just honoring his turf. He just drew out this as for me and my house. Remember that little, he always had that scripture. Daddy loved that scripture. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And brother, he dominated his turf. I assure you, he dominated his turf. Somebody come up and say, your dad's such a sweet old man. I said, yeah, it took him 91 years to get here. But when he was at the house, he didn't smile that often. He smiles more now than one day than he did in five years at the house. But he dominated his turf. This is my turf. He used to say, if I have to tell you I'm boss, I'm not. But he thrust us in the presence of Jesus every day. Twice a day we had prayer. We had to memorize a scripture every single morning. He dominated his turf. He fought for his territory. He wouldn't let anything in that was opposite the presence of God. And look what's happened. His children are serving God. And I could go a little further. His children have helped him have his house. His children have taken care of his car. His children are buying him clothes. His children are feeding him every day. Boy, his turf 
has produced for him. If you get a hold of this thing, if you get a hold of this thing, if you'll raise your turf, your territory to its highest level, raise that child, battle for their mind, battle for their mind, battle for their focus. You create an environment where you can raise them up and they will take care of you the rest of your life. When you're in a wheelchair, when you have to be rushed to the hospital, territory is to produce the future income for you, rewards for you. Hallelujah. I feel like the purpose of the territory is to give you reserves for the rough times. When God gives you a picture, those grapes of Canaan are for the times of famine. Are you fighting for your turf? Is it turf God's told you to be over? Battle is the seed for territorial productivity. You ever got a little thing in the mail that said, we think there may be oil on your ground and we'd like to lease your property for 30 bucks a month? I said, wait, if you think there's oil, you think I'm gonna give it to you for 30 bucks a month? Remember, somebody's success depends on your stupid. Battle is the seed for territory. Say that with me. Battle is the seed for territory. If what you're wanting, you get too easy, nobody wanted it. Write this down. Confession is the seed for mercy. Confession is the seed for mercy. God prepared to destroy Nineveh. Battalions of angels stood ready to destroy Nineveh. And what happened? They start talking. We're sorry. We're sorry. We've sinned. Confession obligates God to reveal his character of mercy. Rebellion obligates him to penalize and destroy the rebellion. See, the covenant is not only for obedience. The covenant with us is what happens if there's disobedience. When he said, I got a covenant with you, what's the covenant? You disobey me, I wipe you out. I make you hurt. I have a covenant with you. You honor me, you obey me, ask anything you will. I'll fight your enemies for you confession do you remember the message God gave me a few weeks ago about the incredible power of a meaningful apology it's astounding what confession the mercy that comes when somebody confesses I was wrong I did it please forgive me the moment you say I'm sorry you thrust the whole burden on the other person for their character to be revealed. Confession is a seed, it's a beginning. Four, repentance is the seed for forgiveness. Repentance is the seed for forgiveness. The moment you repent, now confession is different than repentance. Confession is, I did it, 
Repentance just says, I did it, I'm sorry, I regret it, it'll never happen again. Confession is very different than repentance. Repentance, it will never happen again. There's a lot of confession going on and that opens up the seed for opportunity for, the, for mercy. But repentance is a, is a promise, a covenant. I will not go back. It will not happen again. I have learned from that. Now, forgiveness can flow. Confession doesn't guarantee forgiveness. There has to be repentance for forgiveness. God, I did it. Okay, I forgive you. No, no. God, I did it. I'm sorry. It'll never happen again. Now you're forgiven. Why do they keep people and will not let them get parole in prison? Because they can sense it'll happen again. But the moment they discover this person has truly changed, they will not do it again. Now, let them back in and have freedom. Five, thankfulness is the seed for joy. Thankfulness is the seed for joy. I am not by nature a thankful person. I'm a critical person can't believe you said it. Well, it's, it's not because I'm so smart or I'm so humble. It's just you already know that. If I walk into a room, I'm looking for what's wrong. I wake up every day looking for what's wrong. I go to bed at night thinking about what's wrong. You're kidding. No, no, no. I wish I had the sanguine personality. Wakes up every day. This is the day that the Lord has me. I will rejoice and be glad. I wish I was that way. When it rains, oh, free rain, free water for my flowers. Kind of people that when you talk about hell, wow, no, no heat bill. You know, they're the kind that even brag on the devil. Wow, he's determined, isn't he? I'm not that kind of guy. I'm constantly in pursuit of excellence. I enter every environment on how I can improve my environment, my world, my personal life, my life. And so that means sort of like policemen look for what's wrong. They don't look for everybody that's right. They're constantly scanning their environment. Pastor Dean knows that. Policemen drive through. They're looking for what's wrong. They're looking for something that doesn't look like it belongs. They're looking for something that doesn't fit. What's wrong in this environment? There's at most something not quite right. Well, I enter every environment. What needs to be improved? What's wrong? Now, the staff wants me to say, look at the nine things we did right. And I say, you go ahead and look at them. I'm going to look for the 10th thing that you didn't do. Now, we got to acknowledge the right, but you can't sit there and ignore the wrong. Sit there and look at the airplane. Oh, it's beautiful looking. They brand new seats. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. But you left a bolt off. Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to crash. Yeah, but look, it's pretty. We shined it. We painted it. Look, got good numbers, new numbers on it. I can't get excited about a car that doesn't have gas. I don't care how nice it is. We can sit there for hours, but a car was made for movement. So I'm looking for what needs to be corrected because there's many that's satisfied and can live with something broken. I'm not a guy that can live with a broken toaster for six months on the cabinet. 
I'm not a kind of person that enjoys milk just being there, even though it's spoiled. Well, at least it's milk. At least it's there. Look at someone next to you and said, he would have a problem with you, wouldn't he? Just look at him and say, he would have a problem with you. Obviously, God enjoys the variety and craves and needs the mixture. But thankfulness has to be worked with, has to be worked with in my life. And I found out that my joy is proportionate to my thankfulness. So I have to crank up my thankfulness. I have to work on it. How do you work on it? Focus, focus, focus. Look what God has done. Look at what God's accomplished for me. Look, look at how many battles I've won. Instead of looking at the guy in front of you, sometimes you have to look back across your past and you see all the giants you've conquered. You see them all laying all over the field of your past. I've come through a lot. God has sustained me. God has watched over me. Look what God has, look what God has done in my life. Sometimes you have to use self-talk. I believe the people around you have a lot to do with your thankfulness. There are people that I talk to that if I start talking about the bad things in my life, they climb right down the pit. They go right down with me. They follow me right into the sewer line. There's other people who say, I know, but boy, isn't God good? And, and you, what do you mean? What are you trying to make me happy for? I'm, I, want to be, I, want to be, I want to be down right now. But they walk you out into the sunlight. Thankfulness is a seed. And the moment you begin to verbally be thankful, God, thank you for my eyesight. Thank you that I can hear, I can talk, I can walk, I can feel. Thank you that I'm not in the hospital anymore. Thank you, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, you brought me through some memories. Thank you, you brought me through some rough time. Thankfulness is a seed. It must be expressed. It must be verbal. It must be allowed. It must be a developed, continuous position, a continuous effort. Thank you, thank you. Father, you've been good to me. Father, you've been good to me. Thank you, thank you. Instead of said, what? The flower wasn't watered? Thank God you got a garden. Thankfulness is a seed. Work it, work it, work it. Six, confrontation is the seed for change. Confrontation is the seed for change. Anything unconfronted, unconfronted continues. Anything permitted increases. We confront what brings us pain so it can change. So it can change. That's critical in your life, that you confront what you don't like. Now confrontation is an attempt to preserve a relationship. If I stop confronting somebody that agitates me, it's because I don't anticipate having any relationship with them. There's people that agitate me. There's people I don't like, but I don't confront them because they're not gonna be in my, my casserole. I'm not mixing a salad with their presence. I don't address them. I don't go anymore. There's a time that I quit pushing somebody, pushing somebody. There's a fascinating phrase in scripture that says let Ephraim alone. That's a horrifying statement I don't want God to ever say about me. Let Mike alone. That means God's through. He has no plans to work with me in my future. He has no miracles, no pleasure scheduled for me. 
If somebody confronts you and say, I didn't like what you said, what you did brought me pain, you hurt me. That is an attempt to preserve and confrontation is a seed. It's a risky thing because people can turn on you. People can hurt you. They can lie. They can, they, can, uh, they can be nice in your presence and then set a trap to destroy your influence and diminish all of your, your influence with others. Seven, listening is the seed for knowledge. Listening is the seed for knowledge. Listen with abandonment. Unclutter the moment of any other thought but what the person speaking to you is saying. I'm an extremely effective listener. When I listen, I look at the countenance. When I listen, I listen for tone. I listen for pain. I listen for anger. I listen for discomfort. I am an extremely effective listener. I have developed and developed and developed and I'm still developing. And sometimes if my mind is tacked on to something else and someone's talking to me, I'll come back and I'll say, say it again. My mind took off, it just left, stay. I, I will stay there until I heard what they said. I try to put excellence into that moment so I have no regrets after I leave the moment. Now, it took us a lifetime to get to this moment, so don't rush away from a moment. When someone is talking to you, when your husband is talking to you, when your wife is talking to you, abandon yourself to that moment because listening is the seed for knowledge, knowledge about them, knowledge about plans that should be changed. Listening is a seed. Listening is a seed. I've told you a thousand times that you're a walking warehouse of seed. Every part of you is a seed. Your eyes, your eyes are seeds for discovery. Your ears are the seeds for knowledge. Listen, listen, listen. What is the word in Proverbs? I'm encouraging everybody to read one chapter a day. Today you'll read the 31st chapter of Proverbs. Tomorrow you'll read chapter one. And make that one day and read one chapter a day in Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in it. Read it aloud. It will instantly dissolve any guilt that you feel or false accusation about not giving yourself to the Word of God. Read one chapter aloud every day in the Scriptures. Now, all that Proverbs says over and over, listen, listen, listen. There are six W's. Wine, women, word, work, wealth. But there's constant effort to teach us to listen. Say listen. Say listening is the seed for knowledge. Say it again, listening is the seed for knowledge. Listening is the seed for knowledge. Listening is the seed for knowledge. I never tire of the wisdom of God. Wisdom is the ability to recognize difference, right and wrong evil and righteousness, difference in people, difference in a countenance, difference in a moment like the blind man crying out to Jesus. The dominant purpose for wisdom, and don't you love the wisdom of God? I'm so thankful you're listening today and watching and being a part of the internet, telling others about it. And I hope you're getting, by the way, I hope you're getting my daily podcast every single day on your iPod or your MP3, every single day, two minutes of wisdom. Be a blessing. 
Sometimes I go a little over because I get excited. I want you to be a part of this ministry. I believe that when you get involved with God, he gets involved with you. I am one of the ministers of the gospel who believe the words of Jesus. I believe every word he said. When he told Peter that there would be a hundredfold return on any investment in the gospel, in Mark 10, 28 through 30, I believed him. When the word of God says in Malachi 3, that if I bring the tithe, which is 10% of my income, and the offering back to him, that he would open the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing I don't have room enough to receive, I believe him. Why would I believe God about heaven and hell and not believe him about the blessing of the Lord? I want to pray over the seeds that you have been planting in this ministry. And by the way, I have an incredible gift you're going to love. In fact, it's probably one of the greatest gifts I've ever offered. We're asking the Holy Spirit for 300 partners this week who will set aside a seed of $300 for our outreaches. I need your help. I want you to help me. Not just to feed a thousand children a day, which we do, or a thousand families, or underwrite the wisdom of Asia Bible College, or to underwrite the tent factory in South Africa, or the home of hope, but that we can go into 100 countries with the gospel. I'm holding in my hand the wisdom quick scan Bible. The wisdom quick scan Bible. I have never in my life found a Bible easier to read. As you know, for many years, I've read the Bible through 40 chapters a day, every single month of my life. There is no easier book to read than this quick scan Bible. When I found out that I could offer it to you inside of some of the teaching that I've been doing and I'll do today, I want you to have it. Call me right now, plant your seed of 300 and watch God move. Eight, honor is the seed for access. Honor is the seed for access. I would trade 90% of everything I've taught for one sentence God gave me in the last few weeks. And that is that your future is decided by who you have chosen to honor. Your future is decided by who you have chosen to honor. The difference between success and failure is the focus of your honor. Honor is recognition of value. Honor is the willingness to reward difference. Let's go through some definitions. Wisdom is the ability to discern difference. Difference between people, difference in a moment, difference in an opportunity, difference in an environment. Wisdom is the ability to see difference. That's why you got married. You saw the difference. Honor is the willingness to reward a person for their difference. Boy Scouts have levels of honor. Precious young man came to me yesterday, giving me all his medals he had won in the war. I mean, he had more ribbons and medals and stuff that you'd ever seen. And he took them off. He's a soldier fixing to go to the Pentagon. And he says, you have changed my life so much. The best thing I know to do is to give you all my medals of honor that I've earned in my lifetime. 
I felt, I can't tell you how small I felt that he would do something like that. But he wanted, and looked at all, he had been honored. We have all kind of ways to honor people in the armed forces. We honor our children with little stars. We honor our mother and our father. The entire Bible is a book about honor. Honor, the rewarding of difference. I am obsessed with discerning difference. Wisdom is the study of difference. Difference. Jesus had seven kinds of relationships. Intimacy should be earned. It should be the gift that honors difference. You don't let anybody in your house. I learned years ago not to let everybody in my house and leave their emotional droppings all over my environment. Honor is a seed. Honor is proven through the gift of access, through right words, through protection, through gentleness, kindness. Honor is often proven through your silence. When your father or mother or someone says something to you, but because they're authorized by position or the scriptural chain of authority, I stress this, I stress this, it's one of the top most important things in life is the recognition of the scriptural chain of authority because the blessing comes down. The blessing doesn't come up. The blessing comes through someone you have chosen to honor. Look in the scripture. Look in the scripture. Favor has never been a miracle. Money is not a miracle. Where there is honor, there is favor. Where there is favor, there is money. If you have no money, I can trace it to somebody you refuse to honor. I'll say that again. If you have nothing, nothing, no favor, there's a reason you have no favor. There has to be honor before there's favor. Honor is a seed. I recognize your difference. I understand what you require for your pleasure. I will remove discomfort from this present moment for you. I will show you honor. If you show me who you honor, who you prioritize, because wisdom requires continuous prioritizing of who matters most. Not who matters, who matters most. Who matters most. What did God say about marriage? Leave your mom and dad. That's what he said. Leave them, 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 leave them. They're still, they're still little mama boys. They won't leave mama. And there's daddy girls that call daddy about their problems. Leave them and cleave to your mate. Why? It's honor. It's honor. It's honor. Who have you chosen to honor? Honor's the seat for access. Honor is the seed to prove your character. Your difference. I gotta let you go. You got time for two or three more? How many's got five minutes? You got five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30, 30, 40. Nine. Presentation is the seed for acceptance. 
presentation is the seed for acceptance. A young man came to me in Tulsa years ago and said, Dr. Murdoch, would you pray that I'll get a job? I tried out today for a job and put my resume in. And I looked him over and I said, uh, son, you, you won't get the job. He said, aren't you going to pray? I said, no, you won't, you're not going to get the job. I'll tell you right now, you're not going to get the job. I have the burden of telling the truth, and that's a burden. I said, your hair is sticking up everywhere. His shirt was pulled out. You could see his belly button. It's not a man in the world that's never seen a navel he didn't love except on a man. His old hairy. And your old men have a thing about hair. They think the more hair they have, whew, it's Tarzan Jr. coming up here. And here's his navel and here's his hair. I said, son, your breath is horrible. It's turning my face green. Robert Half, the president of the largest employment agency in the world, wrote in a book that the number one reason people are hired is based on their personal appearance, 98%. Later, he came out with another article of a couple of years ago and said, I was wrong. It's the 100% reason people are hired. Presentation. God talks about presentation in the Old Testament, Leviticus of the offerings. He talks about presentation of the sacrifice. God is all about presentation. When he brought Jesus to the earth as a baby, angels hung in outer space singing, presentation, presentation, decides persuasion. Presentation is a seed for acceptance, for persuasion. I am, I am very strong about presentation in some areas. Some areas I'm still learning. But presentation is important. Presentation of yourself to yourself. I tell, I tell ladies, if you've got an old gown that has torn pockets or, or buttons, fix it or buy a new one. Fellows, don't wear a t-shirt around the house with black shoe polish on the edge or a hole in it. Well, I could still wear it. Well, you can do a lot of things. But presentation, did you know the only difference between the best meal, the best meal at the restaurant and hog slop is presentation? Did you know that pigs will eat tonight the same thing you ate today? The only difference is presentation. I had a man give me a check one time, Dewey Fredell in New York, and it was in a gorgeous gold envelope. Write that down, Brother Jason, because I want to remember that. And I have never forgotten it. He didn't wad up the check here. The presentation, I'm still thinking about it. Presentation takes time. Presentation necessitates creativity, carefulness, attentiveness. Have you ever watched a movie where they were showing the first night of a honeymoon and there were rose petals from the door? I've got to be careful. We have some young ones here across the room. And the music was playing.
and the candles were on presentation I've been writing some thoughts because I don't want to enter a room that hasn't been prepared for me I like light, movement, and sound those three things in every room I enter I don't want to walk into a dark house I will not walk into a dark house I'm not going to pole vault across the house to save 13 cents When I drove up last night, actually this morning, I guess it was, I walked in my bedroom at 2.34, but the music was on. Honolulu outside. In my secret place, the scriptures were playing. Went in there this morning, the other part of the house, and the word of God that plays at my house 24 hours a day was on. Because his word creates strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Strength is the ability to remain unaffected by an enemy. Strength is the ability to remain unmoved by an adversary. You need, say it, say it, presentation. Don't you like, I have a friend, Dr. Rob Thompson. Every time I see him, he looks like he came out of Vogue magazine. Everything is in its place. It is like, I told him, I said, man, you're an event going somewhere to happen. And when I told him that, he said, he said, we represent God on the earth. We represent God on the earth. Now, presentation is often used to deceive people. Like the multi-billionaire politician that rolls up his sleeve and puts on a $20 shirt to make everybody think I'm like you. Presentation is often a deceiver's procedure to try to make you think something that isn't. Satan offers you some said, see how sweet it is, but it's the hook inside. Every fisherman is a deceiver. He hides his hook with a juicy worm. The hunter camouflages himself. Think of men who feel tough because they have a gun to kill a little duck. Think of men whose macho nature is satisfied through murder. Daddy, are you getting this? But presentation to an achiever and the wisdom center was created for the uncommon achiever. <laughs> Presentation takes time. It involves thought, preparation. I saw the beautiful, special gift package that Dr. Trevino prepared today for $20, a beautiful gift package in the Wisdom Room bookstore. She labors for presentation. I like presentation. I like it. I walked in Brazil a few days back and I walked in and they had everything in the room. They had pictures of me turning on one of these little electric, these little things that flip the pictures of the Wisdom Center and the last time I was in Brazil. They had all the food containers set up like a buffet 
all the buffet. Midnight, and it's all set up for me. The warmer's on. All the drinks set up. They had sheets monogrammed with my scriptures, my favorite scriptures on them. The pillowcases had my name on them. You mean that excites you? I have no idea. My favorite name other than Jesus is Mike Murdoch. Favorite name, favorite name, favorite name. And everything was fixed up so incredible. Presentation, presentation. Robert Sparks, wave your hand, Robert. Have you ever seen a presentation of his meals? I know why Rebecca married him. Brother, he can put a spread. Now, we often like to cut it out. The other day, American Airlines saved a million dollars by removing the little greenery off the plate. And then they said, we're going to save some more by making it one grape instead of five grapes. So presentation does have a cost to it. But isn't life about creating pleasurable memories? Not pleasurable moments, moments that you remember. A memory lasts longer than a moment. So I want to work and labor on the memory. I want to use a moment to create a perpetual, unending, relentless memory. Hallelujah. Straighten your tie. Go ahead. Straighten your tie. Straighten your tie. Come on, go. Ladies, this is it, you know. Say presentation. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Presentation reveals honor. Presentation creates a pleasurable memory. Presentation shows importance. You're not going to see me up here behind this pulpit with an open neck shirt, sleeves rolled up, and khaki pants and tennis shoes. Ain't going to happen. Ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna happen. Presentation reveals the level of importance. And I refuse to come down from the chariot to adapt to the lifestyle of the ghetto. We were made kings and priests. We were made kings and priests. I said, we've been made kings and priests. Hold your head up high. Know who you are. I said, know who you are and present yourself at the level God made you and wanted you to be. Hallelujah. Presentation is a seed. Write this down. Words are the seeds for feelings. Words are the seeds for feelings. Some of you heard harsh words about you in your childhood. You still have not recovered. A father can tell his little girl, you look fat. And 20 years later, she's skin and bones still trying to please a daddy who didn't understand the eventual pain through wrong words. Words can cut. Words can wound. Words can heal. Words can restore. Right words are the bridge out of trouble. 
The Bible says in one place that a king will pay a big price for somebody who can speak right words. How many times have you longed for someone who could speak right words? Right words to you may be wrong words to another. Right words to you may be, I'm just going to be honest about it. And now you've created pain. Think before you speak. Think about the impact of your words. Words are the seeds for pleasure. Words are the seeds for pain. Words are the seeds for change. Words, God loved words so much he called himself the word. Pain is the seed for change. Pain is the seed for change. When you hurt, you change. God uses pain as a messenger telling you something is out of order. Write this down. Order is the seed for productivity. Order is the seed for productivity. Order is the accurate arrangement of things. Any movement towards order will create pleasure. I cleaned out my closet the other day. When I finished cleaning out my closet, I loved people I had not liked for years. How many of those that when you wash your clothes, you just feel better? When your, when your car gets washed, you love everybody. Order is the seed for productivity. Productivity is the seed for reward. Write this down. A problem is a seed for recognition. A problem is a seed for recognition. And I close with this. Problems are very important things. If there were no problems, there'd be no marriages. Nobody'd get married if there wasn't a problem. You got married because you had a problem you couldn't solve by yourself. I'm going to teach this whether you say amen or not, so it just makes you look good if you say amen. Problems are the seeds for financial rewards. How do you react to a problem? How do you react to a problem? Your problem, the problem of someone you love. Because your reaction to a problem, I've been teaching the last few days on seven reactions that reveal, that give you a prediction of somebody's future, their reaction to greatness, their reaction to pain, their reaction to correction, their reaction to rejection, their reaction to their mistake, their reaction to the wounded, their reaction to a problem. I want to give you an illustration. I've shared it twice before, and I want you to hear it because it's very big, very, very big to me. Because a problem is an invitation to significance. A problem is an invitation for you to reveal who you are, what you are. A problem is an invitation to reveal your competence, your level of compassion. Joseph looked at the countenance of the butler and the baker and he saw a problem. And it was his exit from the prison. A problem is your only exit from the present season you're in. If you're asking God for a future, he will arrange a problem so you can exit the future. A problem is an opportunity to, for you to reveal your intelligence, your perception, your sensitivity, your discerning. I had a phone some years ago 
that needed some adjusting inside to be ready for overseas use. So I called one of my IT people over to my house and said, would you prepare this phone for Nigeria? Fix and leave. I came in that night about 10:15, as I remember, because I looked at my clock because I still don't know where I was standing. You always remember those who create pain. And there was a little note. Couldn't figure it out. I still see this guy's face. Sit now. He don't even work for me anymore, obviously. I fly to New York. After I got through preaching that night, I looked at a young minister protege who I loved and who loved me very much, who loved me. And someone's love for you doesn't mean they're, they're competent at loving. I love you, I love you, I love you, Dr. Murdoch. I love you, I love you. I said, I want you to take this phone to the Verizon store tomorrow. I've got to fly out to speak for a, a business function but I'll be back and, uh, and I need this fixed. I got off the plane. I said, did you, did you get the phone fixed? He said, I worked on that thing for two hours, man. I couldn't be that two hours. I, worked. I said, I didn't ask you to work on it. I asked you to bring it to a Verizon store. I, I worked on, I, I said, I didn't ask you to work on the cotton picking phone. Like when he say cotton picking, because cussing would ruin my ministry. I said, I didn't ask you to work on the cotton picking phone. I ask you to bring it to a Verizon store and let them fix it. Two hours it worked. Now I fly to Chicago, land the airport, and Mark Friend, the pastor on the pastoral staff for Dr. Rob Thompson, meets me at the airport. I said, Mark, I fly tomorrow to Nigeria and England, and I need this phone prepared. Could you? Could you figure out how to do that? At seven o'clock that night, I walked in to the church. He had my phone. Harold Herring, he had a little business card size instruction card, and it was laminated. Step one, step two, step three. He said, Dr. Murdoch, the phone is ready. If something happens or goes wrong, here's the little instruction card to keep in your wallet on what to do. But tomorrow at nine o'clock, when I pick you up to bring you to the airport for your flight, I have a second phone for you that's a world phone that does not require any adjustments to it. So you'll have both phones. You'll have your phone and you'll have a new phone that doesn't require any work. That's called problem solving. him don't you come back to him say I can't do it you can come back and say I've exhausted every way possible I need your help and feedback then he'll help you don't toss it back in his face and then come to church and wonder why God's not blessed me my my seeds never multiplied oh yeah it's multiplying your seed of incompetence is multiplying it's suffocating heaven angels are dreading to work for you 
Ooh, I feel cocky coming on. I feel cocky coming on. Never run from a problem. Run toward a problem. It was the secret of David. He didn't tiptoe to Goliath. I got, got to figure this thing out. The Bible said he ran toward him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, problem. I'm looking for you. Come on, problem. I'm looking for you. Because when I solve the problem, I obligate God to change the world, to reimburse me for the problem I solve. Because it operates, the whole world operates by this. The problem you solve determines your income. The problem you solve determines favor. The problem you solve determines who pursues you. And I can't change your world until I change who likes you. The moment somebody likes you, your seasons change. Look at somebody and say, he is talking about you and I can't believe it. He is talking about you. As our musicians come, hold your Bible up close to your heart. Say, I am a problem solver. Can you try that with passion? Are you? Say it loud. I am a problem solver. For who? For Dean. Thank you, thank you. Just want to get that on tape for you, my brother. Have I ever done you a lifetime favor? Hallelujah. I am a problem solver. Say it loud, I am a problem solver. Say it again, I am a problem solver. Say it again, I am a problem solver. Say it again, I am a problem solver. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Say it with passion. <laughs>